Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining the Data Binge podcast. You guys are going to love today's episode number four, Predicting AI, the answer, the dream, the hype. And I am your host, Derek Russell. I'm currently a solution specialist for Microsoft's enterprise data and AI solution area. And today I have a very special guest with me, Tony Abel, a data solution architect who I've had the pleasure of working with on some business use cases involving super cool stuff like deep learning and neural networks, machine learning, predictive analytics, and other AI workloads. And Tony is one of those people where if you have a business problem and you have some data around that problem, he can get super sophisticated, super fast to strategize to a solution while also getting his hands dirty by jumping right into the code. An amazing mind. And I think all of you are going to be super stoked on today's talk. The intent of the Data Bench podcast is to establish an awesome library and an ongoing conversation on how businesses should be positioning cloud, AI, and other data-driven tech across various industry verticals. So if you're an employee, a customer, a tech enthusiast, or an investor like a ton of my friends looking to learn more about the cloud market, you're going to be really pumped on the content today. So thanks for listening. And next, I bring you Tony Abel. Tony Abel, welcome to the Data Binge podcast today. How are you doing? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you on. Uh, so we work together uh, now more often. Um, I, but I think I, the first time I met you, I ran into you in, in Las Vegas. We were doing yep. our, I think it was our digital Starbucks. Or, Yeah, Starbucks. And I think I was like overcome with anxiety about, oh, really? about, about, about the, you know, what were all of our products. And I was relatively new to Microsoft at the time. And I was just like, oh my gosh, modernized data warehousing, data science, you know, where are we going with this? And literally I, I, I met you and I asked you like one question um, and you're, you just like broke it down and automatically in the middle of you breaking it down, like my brain turned off and like a new critical path <laughs> was instantly developed. Nice. And I was instantly saying, you know what? I need this. I need to work with this guy. This, I need to put this guy in front of customers. We need to do some cool stuff and transform some businesses. So um, I've had and a lot did. of fun with you. Yeah. And it, it's working out. You're, you're a great guy. I love, uh, postulating with you and, and talking about how we can help customers. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself? Um, tell us a little more about yourself. What, you, what exactly you do today? Cause I think you have a pretty intriguing role and then what kind of uh, cool projects you're working on. Sure. Sure. So yeah, my name is uh, Tony Abel. I'm a, my role at Microsoft is a data solutions architect. Um, I recently joined Microsoft a little over two years ago. So this is kind of new for me too. Uh, prior to joining Microsoft, I worked for an HR firm building uh, their predictive data platform. So this is, I would categorize this more as a, a data engineer kind of role. And, and prior to that, my, my career has always been in, in, in app dev. So I have a strong software dev um, background, um, building apps and building infrastructure, um, messaging and, and integration technologies. But I've always been fascinated with, with, with machine learning and data. So I've always, you know, on the side or gravitated towards moving my career towards the data world. And so, you know, when the opportunity, uh, or made the t- when I made the opportunity happen in my previous role to, you know, build a data platform, um, I got a good, some good experience and then Microsoft uh, asked me to join their um, data, solution te- data solution architect team to help them um, help evangelize data and AI projects for their customers. So, so my, um, my role specifically is, is to help customers, um, or the customers I'm, I'm assigned to uh, understand 
um, how data, data and AI workloads can enable their businesses to be more effective. So this this ranges from my role ranges is quite quite broad. So it ranges from you know some Power BI, some visualizations, you know, kind of telling what what's uh, what has happened. So like all that counting. So how many widgets did you sell? Um, and so then you then all the way to uh, predicting the future, like how many widgets will I sell tomorrow? And then every, everything from uh, how, how do you enable that from from storing the data to moving the data um, to analyzing data? Um, I'm, I'm kind of aware of all, all the, how the technologies work. And when I work with a customer and they say this is where we are in the process, I kind of my, my part of my job is to to understand all the tools that are available and map the tools to the problem as opposed to uh, the business owner having to understand the problem and find and go through all the tools that are possible and, and find the right tool for them. I, I, by interviewing them, understand their business needs. I, I'll recommend the correct um, set of tools and techniques, which will enable them to be successful. Um, and this kind of ranges from, you know, doing a PowerPoint conversation, talking about it to building out a POC. So the engineers and the business people to see how it works. Um, that's kind of the, the high level of what I do. So you're like a, you're like a hired gun, like a hired <laughs> mercenary. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would, I wouldn't say no, I would say hired guns more of a, you know, they, they, um, they saw a problem they, they get things done to the finish line. And unfortunately I don't, or actually, I don't know. It's fortunate, unfortunate. Uh, I don't actually get things to the finish line. I, I show them where the, the track is and I show them how to run it and I'll guide them and make sure they stay on track. Um, but I don't actually get things uh, done for them, Got it. It, Got which it. is, which is a weird because my prior role was always making things happen. Or, yeah. From, from my experience, you know, and, and you've probably been doing this a lot, mostly in terms of favors and cause I have some cool projects and we've kind of been talking, but you've come in and you've completely turned around uh, a, a data science experiment or a POC or uh, a customer's ability to scale some kind of use case through uh, prediction or, or, or machine learning instantly. And uh, it sounds like I would never involve you on like a Power BI project. It's almost like trying to kill ants with a water balloon. <laughs> Just like, why would, you know, why would you use the water balloons for killing ants? Um, so that, that, that's interesting. Uh, so what, what's your wheelhouse? What's, what, what are you on this planet to do? <laughs> well, uh, what I what I want to be doing is is helping um, you know people understand how they can use AI to you know predict the future and empower their business. Um, my my wheelhouse really is is kind of software development engineering. Uh, I kind of fall back on that pretty easily because uh, I've been doing that for most of my twenty years of my career. Um, whereas when I'm in the new skill I'm acquiring for the last five seven years is is just the machine learning, the data science, and the data engineering, um, and those those skills kind of complement each other. Um, but ideally, going forward, there you know be more of, hey, how do I how do I know um, where my company's going, or how can I predict the future? What does that really mean? Or how do I engineer this really hard problem to be really simple? And those are really uh, interesting and challenging problems. And that's kind of what gets me up in the morning is is hearing some customer's business problem and thinking really quickly or with some short scope of how do I solve that? How do I get them? How do I show them the, the path forward? 
Um, and once, once the pass forward just becomes kind of um, uh, routine to kind of get it, finish it. And that's kind of why I don't like to be the, the finisher. My idea, I'm really good at, you know, high level, uh, but also like, but to be good at high level, I have to be a good doer. And so the things I work with you on is getting things done and get my hands dirty and, and write code. And that's what I think what customers um, are, are liking is the fact that I can uh, do high level and then, and then they just don't understand it or they want to get over this hump and I can just get a couple days, get my hands dirty and, and, you know, sling some code and then they get it. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And it makes complete sense too with where the business is going. I mean, we, we had that reorg, Microsoft had that reorg uh, last year around um, the end of the, our fiscal, uh, I think the start of July. And, you know, a lot of customers were asking why we reorg, why we reorg, why it took us so long to get back to them and, and get our things together. I think it was the biggest reorg in Microsoft history and in the, in the history of the business. Yep. And it makes sense. And, I, and, you know, it was because we were responding to our customers and our customers were saying, hey, look, you guys' solutions are far too complex. The way that you engage is far too complex. And we, we, we need more technical people. Um, and now I, I can really see that we're working with you. It's when we, when, you know, our team crosses people that can actually get their hands dirty and strategize and look to those different use cases. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, so, I mean, we talked a little about, about a little bit about the AI hype. Yeah. You know, like everyone wanting to like crush every single conversation with AI. And uh, I was just looking at a couple different um, uh, surveys, one of which was done on 3,000 business executives by MIT Sloan. Mm-hmm. There's a school over there at MIT and, and with, uh, with help from BCG. And 85% of these business executives thought the AI will give them a competitive advantage, mm-hmm. but only 39% actually have an AI strategy. And then only one in five actually use AI today. So oh, yeah. you, this is like where you live and where you get frustrated. Yeah, like, so, so that's why I only do, B, I only, why I only do Power BI because yeah. it's <laughs> only five, 5% of the companies are doing AI. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you guys are just kind of uh, on the maturity curve, just like they're still trying to understand where, where they are as you know, counting the widgets as so what what's what's the, the what's the normal problem that you run into? Like what are, like if you were a business, you're a big business, it, whether you're Coca Cola, whether you're, whether you're a startup, you know, down in uh, in San Diego, and people or your shareholders or your founders or what have you, your customers are asking about AI. Like, what are you telling customers, or what are you what are you thinking there? You know, I, I think the I mean, there's always the, the technical problem. We could talk about you know storing or moving data, but I think really the big issue is, is data culture. You know, I saw that when I was in, you know, working for companies and I see that at Microsoft when I, when I work with other companies is they don't have a culture of data. Um, and that's, I don't, that's a hard, hard thing to kind of, um, change a culture. Um, it has to come from top down. And even though the CEOs say they, they want this thing, uh, they, Becoming a data-driven culture from the top down is is really tough, and you need buy-in from, you know, middle management down. I mean, the doers always want to learn something new. So I don't think it's when I engage with the doers, the what I call the doers, people who make things happen. Um, they always want to learn the latest, the greatest. But it's the middle management, upper management, who don't really. They say they want to adopt new technologies, but they don't have a data-driven culture, and that's the biggest barrier. Um, because, and then once the, once they get over that, the technical 
um, issues are really quite easy. We have Microsoft and other vendors have done a really good job of, of, of building out tools to solve all the technical problems. Um, and just really comes down to a, a cultural problem. Um, should, should we invest in up-leveling, up-leveling, up-leveling our engineers? Um, should we be asking these questions? Uh, do we want to know the answers to these questions? Right. A lot of times, a, a, a middle management or upper management can get away with kind of understand the feel of their business, but if they actually have data, what does that really mean? It, it might not like look good for them or um, uh, highlight some issues that they have to address. And if it's not shown, then they don't have to address them. Um, they have also, you know, they have other priorities. So, you know, business as usual. So we're a big giant ship, and we're going this way, and and you're telling us to kind of do something else at the same time. You change the engine while you're while you're driving, become an electric car while going 90 miles an hour on, on the freeway, and your your gas powered car. It's 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 a lot to ask, um, and I think that is the it's a that's the big uh, roadblock. If, if, and then after that, it just becomes a technical question of how, how do we implement these pro- these uh, solutions. It makes sense because in the, the, going back to the data the data culture and, and how to change that, and, and we're doing that every single day, and it's tough because there's so many so many different you know areas. There's what you have the line of business, and you have IT, so you have infrastructure, and you have BI, and you have all those different areas and advanced analytics, the analytics teams, and then you have you know the marketing, you have sales, you have operations, finance, what have you, and they want to do cool stuff too. Um, I was just talking to a colleague the other day and he was saying that, you know, one of his customers at the C-level, they were having a talk and, and, and one of the executives said there, look, when it comes to digital and, and your digital strategy, you're either predator, you're prey, or you're extinct. Um, so what, how do you change the data culture um, what, what is your opinion? Like, let's say you have a, let's say you got two, you know, maybe it's, a, is it, is it a two year process? Is it, you know, you mentioned up, up leveling and upskilling. We've been doing a lot of that. Um, how would you go about it? Yeah. I mean, pe- people, people go to where they're, uh, rewarded. Right. So, and I, I see, I see that the most here at, at, at Microsoft, especially being, in a sales org, um, and different people are, are people are compensated uh, differently, uh, which is neither good or bad. But it's really you can see how how the cats kind of all go their separate ways, and they go to where their where their food bowl is, right? Mm-hmm. And and that's really effective, and and that we really are based on like simple reward system. And so where where are people rewarded? Um, if they're rewarded for doing business as usual, then they're not going to adopt a, a, a new culture. Um, I, I just had a customer, a customer, um, engagement a couple weeks ago and, uh, we were doing digital transformation and we're showing us the technology and, and basically it basically failed and we're doing this, they basically gave up before the project even started. And it basically came down to the fact that they, um, they're incentivized to finish a larger scope project in three months. And like the whole company's bonus was, was uh, writing on this um, project being completed. Um, and if they didn't finish within this arbitrary timeline, they would basically lose money. But they're not being rewarded by trying something new. So, if they're, if they're, so then so they're, just, they're being punished by, or basically rewarded for doing status quo and, and, and no reward for doing anything uh, new or transformational. 
and you're, I mean, it totally makes sense. I had no, I couldn't fault them for canceling the project because if, you know, 20% bonus was on me, I, I would stay the course and make sure I got that and, and, not, and not stick my head out because, you know, there was no, if you, if you hit this timeline and you did something new, then you get like 30% or, you know, a stretch goal. Um, and I think that happens a, a lot is where, 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 how can a executive, um, incentivize their, their people to be more data driven. And so this would be like, Hey, every, every business decision you make has to have a number supporting it. Right. You know, this hire this person because of, of this, or, or we should make, we should not make this decision. And because the numbers show it could be that way. And so they're, they, when people go, how do I do that? Then they just need to either up level the skills or get the data. Um, and if, every, and if they're rewarded by either the monetary or, project-wise, for doing um, a data-driven decisions, then they become a data-driven culture. Um, and it's similar how we, we do it at Microsoft, and we, we look at a data. We're, I think we're a data-driven culture, at least at the sales org. We, I mean, we look at a lot of data, uh, Power BI and the charts, and we have meetings of seeing trending of how customers are doing, how we're doing. And so then, we, and I spend a lot of my time uh, running reports for my management and for my team and saying, where, where should we best spend our time? Um, it's always just like, where, where's the number show us that we should uh, put our effort. And in that case, we're, we're data driven organization, but a lot of the other places they're there's seat of the pants, right? And it's, um, you're not going to change if you're the seat of your pants organization. When I think back to what you said about, you know, I was thinking, I'm asking you about skills, like skills required um, in terms of where you're seeing gaps. And then maybe is it a software hardware issue? It, it sounds like it's not. It's more like, like you said, it's culture. And it, I'm also observing there's multiple degrees and layers of culture at different companies. So let, let's just think about the two, two the example companies that me and you worked on. One of them uh, builds rockets and satellites and the other one, the only one builds, uh, uh, you know, chips and, and high end, uh, uh, AV products and things like that. Both of them have a data, a progressive culture in that they want to become more data driven, but at very, very differing levels. It's like comparing a, a professional athlete who loves exercising and wants to continue to exercise and get, get healthier. And then one who's maybe hasn't exercised in about 10 years or wants to get into it, but yeah, the, the, the energy is still there. Yeah. And there's you know? two different problems, right? So the, the, let's say take satellite company, you know, they're clearly data driven, right? Deep down. I mean, their, their project is we we're so data driven. We don't know how to do it. We're kind of, we're stuck in all this data. We, we need probably it's, it's very, a technical problem of like we, how do we, how do we throw resources and technology to make our data driven decisions go faster? Cause they want, they want, they've, they're already making decisions on data, but the decisions are weekly decisions. Right. And they, they say, how can we scale that to like hourly decisions? So we know when something's changing by the hour, we don't have to wait for a week. And that's a, that's a really interesting problem. That's a very technical problem. Um, and so it's just kind of, how do you combine it's a, you're become a, uh, a cleric or sorcerer and like a little of this, a little of that and sacrifice chicken this way. And suddenly, you know, you, you're, you reduce your time. And, and that's really a, a fun, a, uh, for, as a technologist, I, that's a really fun problem to, um, have. Whereas the other company, it's, it's, they're, 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 they're 
bottom, uh, doing bottom up. Um, so the bottom, we're, we're, we're working with the doers. And the doers say, we really want to, we want to be digital transformation. We believe in this. Uh, and we want, how do we, how do we convince our upper management that this, this is worth the money, right? And so they're, mm-hmm. they're going in reverse. And then we're trying to help them kind of craft this really pretty package. They can say, hey, look, this is, this is how it works. It's super easy. It's, it's, it's totally it going to impact our business. Now open the floodgates to, for us to be awesome. And, and that's not um, what I've, unfortunately, what I found in, in my career, and, and maybe it's, you know, it's, it's very narrow, but um, I always believe you could do grassroots culture change. And I've, I've never seen that succeed. And, and it's, it makes me sad because I always like, I'm always a doer and I'm always making things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, let me like do this thing and do that thing. Or here's this cool technology or technique that would save us, you know, millions and, and impact everyone's productivity. And from the bottom up, it just doesn't work. And he's, and then because the, because the bosses aren't incentivized, so they, they won't take risk on anything new. And so, um, and it, I, for this other technology company, I, it's, it's kind of, it's gonna, it's an uphill battle. I don't think it's a fail, but it's a totally uphill battle because I mean, we have to present this, this package to them. And then if that, would that convince their executives to go, change their culture. I mean, they might enable some projects, but the really, you know, it's a really a top down, uh, uh, battle. Right. And, and, and it's the top and you say, this is a priority. We needed to do what it takes. And we, we were talking about uploading on skills. It, it doesn't really matter. Um, it's not about training the right skills for people because the, they will, they, people doers, they like to learn. And so they will figure out whatever it takes to kind of up level and be successful if they're incentivized to do so, right? They'll, they'll work weekends and they'll go to classes and they're like, hey, if my, my, my big bonus is, is on uh, making this goal, then they'll go and learn it. Um, and if, if, as opposed to, hey, if we, if we up-level the, these doers, then they'll go and convince their managers that this is a good idea. And that happens to some extent, uh, but it's not going to change the culture. So now that I'm thinking about the importance, and you come from an, a, an HR uh, background. Yeah, my previous job. I, I, my previous job was, was uh, HR, and I, went, I was all over the place. Then I did uh, banking, and before that, I worked at um, uh, a hospital, and before that, I did insurance. Wow. So I, I, <laughs> okay. I have a really good cross-section of, of, of businesses. You do, you do. So when you, were, when you were just speaking right now, I was just thinking to myself, wow, like you're, you're talking about incentive, you're talking about uh, you know, uh, grassroots versus top-down how how actionable people want to be, how hungry they are, the difference between people who are doers and people who are not. And I'm starting to think about this integration be, behind business and technology, and we hear about it all the time. And there's a, there's a bunch of different practitioners in the AI space that are saying, look, people really need to start sharpening up their social skills because at some point, technology is going to overcome a lot of, this, a lot of the things that we do every single day just with automation and things yep. like that. Yep. Maybe not at you know your level for you know 60, 80 years, sure. um, but even more so at, at my level and below, um, where people are are just don't have the hands-on training to be able to go in a weekend, spin up some models, do some computation, yeah. computation loads, come back on Monday and solve a big a big world problem. Um, what do you think looking forward is a successful business? Is it a business full of doers? Is it a business that has uh, you know a, a young progressive executive leadership team who understands that they need to change? 
Um, because I think we're seeing a lot of businesses that aren't going to last. And a lot of them are, are our customers, unfortunately. And then even well, the time that the, yeah, I mean, they'll change. I mean, so they'll, they'll, I don't know if they're going to not last. They'll definitely change. So, I mean, maybe some, some will be disrupted and, and, and go away. Um, but I think, um, jo- jobs will change. Companies will, will be around, but you know what, what used to take a hundred people will take one person for sure. Um, going forward and, and then, but companies making that widget will just have less or different types of people. Right. I mean, I think, I think the, you kind of touched on something that this kind of a side passion of mine is, is, you know, I, I worry deeply because I'm involved in it, you know, the future of the workforce, like how do we prepare our workforce for, you know, the lack of, uh, of plentiful jobs or, you know, low, low skill jobs, which we have computers or automation to take away. And what does a society look like when, when you have, you know, you know, I'll consider myself, you know, the cleric of these, these new machines. Right. And oh yeah, I find I'll have a job, but what about everyone else who's not, you know, orchestrating these, these fancy machines to, to do things. And, and I, I worry about how do we, um, as a culture or society, uh, care for and, and interact with those people. And, and as I said, as you, as you touched on earlier, I think social, the social part of, of uh, human beings is not something that's going to be automated or machine learned away. And so it's going to really put uh, a heavy emphasis on, on social skills. And I think, you know, not to change topics too much, but we uh, talk about, um, you know, I think you know, mental health is or mental wellness is a big issue that's not really being addressed. Uh, but if we have, um, and there's not that many health mental wellness professionals out there, but if we, but you, you can't automate that away. And so if we have a world where suddenly, you know, hamburgers come out out of boxes and our you know, foods farmed by robots, what, what are people going to do? Well, they're going to be more, I think they're going to be more social. They're going to be more interacting with each other, um, things that can't be automated away, which is um, more social oriented uh, jobs. Um, and I think that's, and then that feeds into the, the you know larger cultural uh, thing that's going on now with with mental health and, and well being. Um, and I see that as as if I was going to talk to um, um, someone uh, young in the career, you know, advise them either go into you know programming, be the you know kind of the uh, manage these computers, or do something that's social interaction, like and, and, and around the mental health area. I know I took, I took that way out there. <laughs> no, no, I, no, I, I, I love that. I'm assuming that you, you're a, you're a believer not to get political, but you're a believer in uh, universal income. I am. I am very yeah. much so. Yeah. yeah. So, so am I, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I just heard 50% yeah. of my listeners just drop right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, it's, it's really, it's really, I mean, it's really hard to see how that's going to happen. Um, but I really, I think that's, um, um, yeah, no, I'm, it's because it's another topic I'd love to, to, to ruminate about. But yeah, I'm a believer of that for sure. Yeah, and we're, we're, we'll definitely have to grab a, an episode on that. So, so the title of this episode that I wanted to call it was Predicting AI, The Answer, yeah. The Dream, The Hype. Yes. And I, I, I came up with that title when thinking about some of the conversations we've had. And I'm, I've taken some time and I've been looking at the different Gartner hype cycles that have been coming yes. out. And it's super cool. And for people who are on the line that don't know about that, it's this awesome curve where uh, each year Gartner comes out with this with this uh, this, this graphic, and it starts off with an innovation trigger where where technologies are just um, hockey sticking, 
in terms of being looked at and invested in because people are excited about it. Then it goes into the peak of inflated expectations. And then it, where it's just like at the peak and it starts to go down into this trowel of disillusionment where people yeah. are just like their expectations are getting broken. And then, you know, at some point, eight, 10 years down, it starts to, to pick up and then it obviously plateaus as new technologies come out. Um, it sounds like deep learning and machine learning and cognitive, all of that stuff is right at the peak of the, the inflated expectation right, right beyond that where we're starting to go down. How are you seeing, what are you seeing in the next like 18 months um, with AI and machine learning? Are you seeing a lot of, a lot more of these businesses come forth with these, with these non data to culture businesses that are wanting to do things and they're just throwing the AI stamp at everything. And me and you are getting super busy and you know what are you, what are you seeing there like what so I, 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 I see two things i see i see the incredible advancements that the the research arms like microsoft google and facebook are doing in these these algorithms i mean there's it's every every few months there's a new breakthrough in in some techniques that's like amazes me right it's like wow it's like wow if we could apply this so so in that sense the hype cycle is 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 just exponential like you know we're we're like the elon of like of of ai it's just like rockets all day long are happening i'm like every every right so there's it's not a hype because because advancements are are being made um but they're very they're very narrow and they're, they're solving you know some very narrow problems but you know if you apply them to uh you some assemble them in a larger uh, ecosystem they can solve some really interesting problems um, but that's where the, the hype comes in because even though we're making huge leaps and forwards in, in advancements in AI technology, we're still don't know how to apply them to business problems. Right. And so that's where the, 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 it's, you need to disintegrate between the, Hey, we have alpha, you know, the, the alpha go, you know, beating the go player, uh, or the deep wave beating the go player. I mean that what they did, how they did it, um, such amazing technology and improvement. Um, and it can be applied to business now. I mean, there's, there's, the techniques in, is, are well understood. Um, but what does that really mean for business, right? And how do you disintegrate between the advances, advancement in, in algorithms versus how they're implemented? And, and that's essentially, I, I kind of still joke around, I, I do do Power BI because, you know, most companies are not, you know, ready to do, uh, apply these advanced techniques, you know, the, you know, the satellite company for sure, you know, they'll, they're, but that's, you know, as, as we said earlier in the beginning of the call, you know, only, you know, five out of the 3000 CEOs respondings are actually doing these, these advanced uh, deep learning techniques. Um, but then on, on the other side of that of is, is there's this middle ground of, of where we're, you know, Microsoft and, and Google are doing a really good job of, of democratizing these algorithms where before it took a team of, of smart people to, you know, do speech, text to speech or speak to text or classify an image, you know, is this a dog or is this a cat? And now it's, just, it's an API, you throw an image up there and any developer can, um, you know, get something useful. And, and, and as a lot of what I do is, is orchestrating these techniques and we can really, um, if the, if the company really is, is forward thinking, we can, um, implement these really fascinating game changing uh, products within their company by just by assembling a handful of these technologies together in the right way to, to impact their business. Um, and so to the, maybe my point is it's not black and white because there's, there's many facets. There's the technology is going off the charts. 
we're democratizing it because it's becoming easier. So not, not huge data science teams need to do it. Um, but the thing that they were missing is the, the culture of people wanting to adopt these things, right? So we have the tools are there, the techni- technology is there, education's there. Um, but it's not being adopted because not enough companies are being disrupted to make it worth their while to become data-driven, right? So, you know, taxi companies, yeah, Uber's disrupted them. But if everyone's being slow at adopting it, then no one's being, um, and I think it may be be some, and I'm, I can't really procrastinate on when this critical mass will happen, but I, I suspect that either millennials or, or something will happen when they become uh, executives and they make these, their digital natives will, will make these decisions. And then companies will start falling if they're not keeping up. But right now it's, it's the old guard is still in charge and there's no huge incentive, even though there's all these tools and techniques that they could take advantage of and disrupt their competitors or, or make more money. There's, they're not the, the hype is not going down because of people are re- it's not be- hype's not going down because people are realizing it does not doesn't exist because it does exist it does work and it is amazing, um, but they're not it's not being implemented. Got it. So I think I'm probably a lot more ignorantly dystopian than you are. Where I think every single company that we we talk to is going to be disrupted tomorrow. Um, which is probably good for, for me being in the data and AI solution area where I'm talking about these things all the time. But by who though? Another boring company? Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's very true. Um, it's, you, just, you, you, you talk to a lot of these customers and you start thinking to yourself, oh my gosh, you, you, know, you, you don't even know, you know, you're not data-driven at all. You have no idea. You're not following the, the, the long-term experience of your customers. Like yeah. if your if your customers are coming in and they're they're getting oil changes, you're not following them on social media. You're not you know doing analytics on their Twitter feeds to find out where they're eating and what they're doing and their politics, and then you're not running models on that to determine you know their propensity to 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 lease vehicles that are on electrified powertrains. It it just blows my mind that people aren't doing that. I guess. What are their competitors? So we'll we'll take we'll take our our boring um, chip maker right. Company, yeah, right? yeah. We're trying to sell them on that, right? So, what, who, who, their competitors? What are their competitors doing? Are they doing? Are like can we see right in those businesses? But we're not seeing any signs that they're doing. They're data driven either. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's the uh, it's I guess it's the race. It's a race that, and everyone's looking around to see who else is racing, but everyone is still stretching on on the it, turf. It is. I, I, maybe I I think of it in the in the. Um, maybe think of it as a Caribbean explosion or some kind of like critical mass, right? It's, it's going to, it's a slow simmer until every, you know, until like everyone's like on this, on this, this bandwagon. Right. And then everything changes like overnight. Um, and I, I, and I, I would actually not want that because I know it's, things are changing so fast as it is. And I know our, our culture is not good with change and we're already thrashing about and hurting people with our, our, our energy reaction to this, all this cultural change. And so the fact that there's all these dinosaurs are, are taking their time doing this adoption is, is frustrating for me as a technologist and, and my job is to get them to do it. But as, as a human being in this culture, it's good because if, if everyone was being disrupted um, and most people aren't like, like me and you who want to learn and grow, they would just, 
the change would just drive them crazy and they would freak out and, and it wouldn't be healthy. And so some, some inertia for not, for not having change is, is probably healthy um, stopgap for you know, something becoming a, a actual dystopia, right? If you take our time and go slowly, we can course correct and not become, you know, Blade Runner or, or any other of these dystopias and, 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 and guide ourselves to more of a, a Star Trek uh, style uh, universe than a, um, than a Blade Runner style universe. Do, do, you, do you think it's funny? We, I mentioned Blade Runner with Matt Hollingsworth on, a, on, the, on the last episode. <laughs> um, what about China? Like, you know, and I know we're running down on minutes, but yeah. you know, in terms of China, what China's doing with Alibaba and BYD, um, and all these, you know, WeChat and all these diff- these companies that no one's ever heard about, but that you know have hundreds of millions of people, you know, consuming their technologies. Yeah. Um, they're obviously ahead with the data story yeah. just because they have more of it. But then you can also argue that well, with unsupervised machine learning, yeah. like with the AlphaGo's of the world, you can actually you don't need a lot of data where you have algorithms that are playing against each other and just recording yeah. recording that data. Yeah. Are we thinking too small with, with looking around domestically at competitors and not thinking about like the South Korea's and the China's and, and the Japan's and things like that? that for, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we, we're, we're isolated and, and I'll, I'll, I'll answer this in, in a non-technical way too, which is weird for being a technical podcast. But uh, uh, I think it's comes down to socially comes down to uh, a monoculture and, 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 you know, and devices it gets a monoculture, right? And so, really, look at China. These other uh, Asian countries that have larger conglomerates than we do. They can adopt these technologies. So, Baidu can can buy every company and infuse from top down data culture and move quickly. And they're gonna they're gonna surpass us. And it's gonna be frightening, and we're gonna freak out. And it's like when you, when you finally realize what's happened, we'll we'll, we'll adjust and and not, no longer be first, but we'll 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 still be in the game. Uh, but but long term, I think monoculture is is bad because you don't you're not diverse. So it, it, you know we don't have to be first to still be in the game, which is fine. I'm okay not having you know America not be the the first or the number one in an area because competition's good. But overall, I think China's still a monoculture. Or there's the Asian countries are, are monoculture, which is long term will be bad because they won't be diverse. Like we're so dysfunctional. We're all over the place. You have these small companies, states, and regulations, we're, we're, and we're slow moving. But that also protects us against uh, going down too far down the wrong path because we may be pulled in all these different directions. Um, and eventually, we'll go the right path. But if we go too far, like if you get like the, the you know, if we were all like China, like monoculture and, and adopting those technologies, it might too quickly turn into a, a um, blade owner dystopia. Whereas, um, if we're so diverse, we'll get there. We'll go slowly, but we'll more. My hope is to course correct to be better for society overall. That's that's awesome. It it, it sounds like I and probably a lot of people uh, that are listening would love to grab a beer with you. <laughs> Some of these. Well, I, I'm a whiskey guy, so you. you yeah. take I'll have my whiskey. There you go. Well, so um, just just with a, a couple minutes left, yeah. you know what's what's next for you, Tony? What would you you know, I know you, you love working with prediction, but where do you yeah. see yourself in the next five, 10 years? Is it, you know, who, what, it, it obviously doesn't matter where you're working or who you're working yeah. for, but what does it look like to you? Are you doing um, models behind how to figure out 
you know, poverty and, and how, how to do something about this aging workforce or this workforce that is going to be automated away. Yeah, no, I think, I think that is, um, you know, helping businesses adopt, uh, you know, data and I text technology is, is, is a good step. Um, I, uh, right now, the, the, if I had a, to approve something in my current situation, I'd, I'd want to be more in the the modeling up level my skills on on actually doing the the data science part of that, and because I could use that to um, have have a stronger impact on, on society. So, so in the in the long term, um, for, for myself in general, just you know personally, ideally, I'd I like to figure out how to how to generate tons of money and become a philanthropist. Somehow using your know, machine learning and, and and give that back, um, and and also have a, a stronger uh, in voice and impact on how our society is um, adopting um, these new technologies, either through 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 money that I've generated and giving back and, and helping educate, or either through you know my job and, and having a voice through either Microsoft as an amplifier of my voice to help um, people. Um, uh, adopt this technology in a, in a safe, uh, safe way for society. Well, I think you're in the right spot, Tony. You're, you're a good guy. It sounds like you got a lot of really awesome goals. And a lot of the things that we talked about today was about, you know, incentives and culture and the power of talent and, and, and the power of human resources. And um, it's, it's amazing to know that there's people out there that care about those things. And um, we're looking forward to having you back on at some point yeah. to, to talk a little bit more about, uh, you know, uh, the, the dystopia conversation and where it's <laughs> yeah. going in, 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 the, in the, the, you know, the China conversation. Uh, so what's the, what's the best way that folks get a hold of you? Um, you know, um it's probably link, link, so on social media, either, um, uh, LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Okay. Uh, my, um, I'll give you those links. Um, uh, but, but basically it's my, my name, Tony Abel. Um, I've, I think for, for both, I have Twitter and uh, LinkedIn or, or Tony Abel. Um, so. Okay. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and I'll throw that those links in the show notes. Yeah. And uh, really appreciate having you on, Tony. It's been super fun and I look forward to working with you in the future. I have a lot to learn from you. Awesome. Me too. All right. Thanks, Tony. Okay. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening today and having some fun with us on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please follow me on LinkedIn or at DRUSS Network. D-R-U-S-S Network on Twitter or Instagram and reach out anytime to connect and talk about how businesses should be becoming more data-driven. The Data Binge Podcast is a personal thought forum where we share knowledge and ideas, views and opinions expressed here do not reflect those of our employer, Microsoft. I really hope you enjoyed. Thank you.